Hello and welcome to the HR Sucks podcast, where we'll get down to the good, the bad, and the crap of workplaces today. I have a very special guest with us to continue our CEO series, Brandon Fishman, who is the CEO of VitaCup, which is a superfood, vitamin-infused coffee and teas, which are available in ground coffee, pods, and instant coffee sticks. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Um, just, you know, just to kind of give our listeners a quick story, I don't want this whole thing to be about how you started the company, but what inspired you to start a company like this? Um, I've always been involved in digital marketing and had a digital marketing agency before this that I sold and I was kind of tired of, tired of marketing other people's products and always wanted my own product. Uh, and I'm kind of a health nut and very into vitamins and supplements and also needed my caffeine fix in the morning. So just thought I'd combine the two and it started as a little side project and took off and a few rounds of funding later, uh, we've grown the company pretty, pretty large in the last three years. That's awesome. I am a fan of your beauty blend, I believe it's called, or a glow, a glow getter. Yeah, it's our, it's our beauty blend. Or we say our glow getter it has, has collagen in it and a lot of people put collagen in their coffee anyway. So figured we just combine the two and it's, uh, it works pretty well. Yeah, it's been good for me personally, because um, I don't know if you get this a lot, but vitamins hurt my stomach when I take them. Like mm -hmm. when I take them in pill form, they, they kind of make my stomach a little upset. Um, so when I can knock out my caffeine and my vitamins, it doesn't hurt my stomach the way that multivitamins typically do. Is that something, a complaint you've gotten often? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have issues with pills. So, and, and basically no one ever forgets their coffees, but they always forget their vitamins. So we figured we just combine them. That's awesome. And that's very true. So tell me, um, how many employees do you all have today? We have 30 full-time and about 20 contractors that we use for like brand, brand ambassadors at the stores. Do you do, um, or are you doing the hiring yourself? Um, I am. We do use recruiters to help, uh, especially with like specific positions that are CPG focused uh, folks with, with a lot of experience, but I do do the interviewing along with my team members. Do you have um, some of your favorite questions that you like to ask? Yeah, I mean, we, we typically ask them, you know, examples they've been in, example wins, example losses, how they could have done things better, um, specific, you know, situations they've been in and how they got through awkward situations. Uh, how how they've been effective in certain stores. Uh, that's on the sales side. On the, on the marketing side, since I've been in that game a long time, we really kind of give them more tests. Um, we say, you know, whether it's creative, you know, create a landing page or create some ads for us or analyze Google Analytics and tell us what you see wrong here. Um, we try to get more into the nitty gritty of the data to make sure that someone knows what they're doing. I see. What... So were, were you managing employees directly at your agency? I was. I had about 100 employees at our high point. Um, I was managing some directly and had a, a bunch under me. Uh, but we had a pretty specific interview process where we'd have them in for an initial interview, kind of like get to know you. And then we'd, we would send them home with a kind of a test and have them come back and do a whole presentation uh, with the answer. Um, if it was a developer, it was a development test, creative, creative test, et cetera. Uh, and then the third round, 
we'd have them come in and it'd be a group interview where we'd have at least five people in the room and it had to be unanimous um, for that person to, to get through. And that kind of reminds me of one, one reason we always, the group interviews seem to always pass until one, a few years back, we had a guy come in, he, he passed the, the first interview. Great. He passed the test. Great. And really the group interview was more of a check the box and he came in. I don't know if he felt it was a, it was a, he was a little bit older than some of the people in the room. I don't know if, and I don't know if he felt um, weird about being interviewed by a bunch of younger kids or what it was, but something didn't go right. And uh, about halfway through it, he got up, he spit on the table. Wow. He, he got up and he spit on the table and he goes, people listen to me and you all better listen to me. And he just went off. And um, that was, that was a good reason to have the group interview process and why I still uh, implement it today. Yeah, that's, it's interesting that you say that because um, like we use assessments as well and they're very simple, like online assessments, like a, like a cognitive assessment and a workplace productivity assessment. And I have noticed that we've had to change our process for higher level positions because if your initial reaction to them or your initial communication with them is, hey, you know, we do require to take these assessments, they're so upset. And so we had to change it to where we're phone screening them first. And then, you know, we let them know, hey, we're going to send the assessments over. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Um, but it is generally with the more senior positions or those who are of older age. Yeah, especially with those two, there's like, there's like a, a job fit. Can they do it? And then there's a culture fit. And the culture fit seems to be the hardest part to fit these days. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and I mean, I can't tell you the things that I've been, they've emailed me like just long, crazy complaints about it and how I'm so disrespectful for asking them someone of their level to take the assessments and just ripping me to shreds. And I'm like, okay, so are you not going to take them? I'm just like, do you not want the job? It's really, you know, from a discrimination standpoint, I can't not have them take them. Right. Right. Because right. The, the process has to be consistent across the board. And so I have, I have no choice, but to vet them out. And I'm curious now that we're like, that we're talking about this, you know, you talk, you, you see a lot of posts and content about like ageism. And so I wonder if something like this is playing a part in this overall scope of ageism. Is it that a combination so, of they just don't want to participate in today's processes? I think that's half of it. And I'll try to stay politically correct. But the other half of it is it's a lot harder to let them go. So if you're, if you're in a protected class, whether you're whatever that protected class may be, I do think a lot of companies are tougher to pull the trigger on those hires because they're afraid that if they don't work out, it's a lawsuit to let them go. No, I totally understand that, um, obviously, because we're in the HR space. So we deal with this with our clients a lot. I always say there's a right way to do everything. There's a right way to terminate somebody. Mm -hmm. You just have to have the documentation to prove. In California, you know, that, it's hard to it's yeah. actually it's hard to say there's a right way in California because it's pretty tough here. No, California is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> like I I don't know. I seem to not be able to leave California because I was born and raised here in Southern California. Um, and it probably if it you know weren't for wanting to leave the the Lakers team behind, 
um, I would have totally left because even as a business owner, I mean, as a business owner, California has to be one of the worst states in the U.S. Yeah. with wage and hour compliance. And I was just on a call yesterday with a client. They have um, a location in Arizona, Georgia, and California. And they're just sitting there, like the, the Georgia manager and the Arizona manager are just like totally making fun of us people in California because they the the laws are just completely different in georgia there is no break mandates yeah, I, I actually used to live in georgia i went to emory for college so it's, it's, it's easier there but i mean look at uber and lyft right now they're you got they're, they're gonna leave the state i saw that because the all these new laws of not being able to be a contractor i mean that just that 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 just hurts the average worker so much it's and, and the that's just the dumbest thing i've ever heard yeah i feel like when you look at it, actually, you know, my dad, he retired like at, at a young age at 55. And so he just drives Lyft. So he has casino money. Um, he goes to the Harrah's over there and um, near you in San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's pissed, right? Because he's like, yeah. this, this is like my spending money that now I, I don't have because all of these workers complain and I think they, I think they want to blame the workers, but I blame predatory lawyers. I feel like lawyers are going after, like they're trying to find things to sue big companies over. Uh, yeah, this was more Newsom though. This mm. was more wanted to get the, uh, the taxes for the state, um, the payroll taxes for the state and all that. So this one specific is a weird one, but I know like, for an example, where I, where I go golfing, there's a great instructor who's been there for 10 years as a contractor. And when they implemented this new law where they, you have to have full-time employees, the club didn't want to employ him and pay all those fees. So he lost his job. And here's a guy who huh. teaches golf there for 10, 12 years and everyone loves him. And all of a sudden he can't have his job anymore. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Um, so I guess moving on in the conversation, what has been the most challenging? I mean, because your agency, how long ago did you have your agency? I started the agency in 2008 and sold it two years ago. Two years. Okay. So not too much of a change in terms of um, managing employees, but maybe a little now. What, what had, are there any challenges that you maybe didn't have at the agency that you do have now maybe running um, a direct consumer company? I think there was a lot more challenges at the agency people wise. Mm -hmm. Um, in the agency world, when it was booming, you would hire a person for 50 grand out of college. And within three months, they'd have offers from recruiters for 80 grand to leave and either had to match it or pay them what they weren't, what they didn't deserve at that time. Um, and then even people that were making a hundred were having offers. Of more. It, it was just a constant battling to keep your people. Um, they don't really have that problem at, at Vitacup. Um, when someone's in a CPG brand and you know committed to that brand, they're not really getting heavily recruited as much. Well, then, then there's now where there's a ton of people on the market. So everyone's kind of thankful to have their jobs. And we were able to keep most of our employees. We, uh, we only had to do a small trim with, with COVID where a lot of companies, you know, and we, we, were, we brought everyone. We did a small cut on salaries and we brought everyone back pretty quickly. But there's still a lot of companies out there where people are you know, making half their salaries. How did you, because I know you and I, when we spoke a few months ago, um, you did have a customer base that was office, like subscription-based coffee. How did you pivot from that point? We saw a huge shift to people buying on Amazon. 
So we shifted a lot of our budget from retail and our website even to Amazon. It's where people started to go for groceries and replenishment and just honestly safe delivery. Uh, we also see sh we also shifted budget to Instacart and people buying their groceries online as well. Um, but obviously, so our online business went up and, and retail took a, took a small hit for the year, but it's starting to come back pretty, pretty good. Did you have any conflicts with selling on Amazon? Any, you know, just philosophical conflicts of deciding to go onto that platform just because I know there's a lot of controversy so going on there. I have conflicts. I actually was quoted in a New York times article that was out a few months ago where I don't think it's right for Amazon to be able to sell their own products um, on their own listings. So for example, if you search Vitacup on Amazon, you're going to see ads from Amazon for their own coffee pods and they'll say, buy our products. And, or even if you search Vitacup, they'll bid on our brand name. So they'll leverage their own customers that they're already making money off of to sell their own products. And I think Amazon's great as a whole, but I, I don't, I, I don't think they should be allowed to sell their own products. Got it. Yeah. That was a, a big complaint that I heard from CPG, CPG companies was that they were afraid to go on Amazon because before they knew it, Amazon had essentially cloned their product and then competed with, you know, the real, the, the internet real estate space to try to get that. So, but then when you're in a situation like this, where, where we are today with the pandemic and things are shut down and it's harder to go places and get the things you need, you're almost, I mean, your arm is completely bent, right? You have to, you have no choice but to go we on have there no choice and do and it. I, and I kind of saw the writing on the wall there that Amazon would be the main supplier during the pandemic. They were, it, it was taking upwards of two months or more for people to get their products checked in because they were so backed up with thousands of trucks trying to get stuff checked in. So the first week in March when everything started, we shipped about six months worth of products to Amazon. I'm glad we did because a lot of our competitors ran out of stock, but we had tons of stock there. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I mean, that makes me happy that you're able to pivot like that. Um, I'm sure that having to pivot, there were some challenges with employees. I know people like to tag it like a pre pandemic and post pandemic, but we're not really out of it at this point, but what were, and maybe if there are any new ones now are some of the pet peeves that you have with managing employees. So I guess it's different in the office versus out of the office, right? I mean, it is, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we have a, I, I think we have a great team. I'm lucky to have a, a great people, great bunch of people that we work with. Um, I think, uh, you know, especially working remotely, um, making sure that everything is done, everything is QA'd. Uh, QA is a tough, like quality control and and editing is is a, is a tough thing when you're not in the office because someone will do their job, but then usually we're, we're, in a, we're in a room or a group and we can discuss something. So definitely some things slip through the cracks, whether it's, you know, a wrong word here or there or things like that, but also just accountability. Uh, I, I'm sure we have some team members that, you know, work the entire day and some that are able to get their work done in a couple hours. And that, that that's totally fine. I, I've never been someone who said you have to be at the office 12 hours a day. I don't think that's a good work-life balance. If you can get all your work done in two hours, that's great. Uh, but then you probably could go above and beyond and do more. So um, it's just a question of how to, how to manage your time when you're working from home. Got it. And as a CEO as well, and, you know, there's just so, there's so many people out there saying you have to um, 
be flexible. And then, and then there's almost, there's almost like this overall feeling with like the Facebooks and the Salesforce and, you know, of, oh, we're giving our employees an additional six weeks off and this and that. Do you, do you sometimes feel conflicted or pulled in different directions of, yes, I care about my employees and I want them to be happy and I want all of these things, but also it's my responsibility for this company to survive and thrive and make sure they have a paycheck. Do you ever feel kind of just pulled? I mean, we have a responsibility to, we, we've raised money from a number of investment groups. So I definitely have, as a CEO, I have a responsibility to my shareholders first to make sure that we have a, a company that does well. Um, and I also have a responsibility to my employees to make sure they're happy. I think we, you know, we saw a trend starting about a year ago where people wanted to move out of California, one for taxes, two for a bunch of the other reasons we discussed. And we fought it at first, but then we basically said, okay, if you want to work remote, go ahead. Um, and so we've been doing the Zoom thing for a while now, even before this started. And even during the pandemic, we've had two, two people move out of California. So I think we just, as, as long as you have good people, uh, you have to be flexible with where they want to live. A lot of people don't want to commute anymore. And I think when this thing is over, I, I really think offices will be a thing in the past. Like even us, we're going to have probably have a smaller office and maybe meet there a couple times a week. But I mean, what's really the point of going to an office for 10 hours, 10, 12, 14 hours a day? I mean, it's just, it's not a good life. Really? I would love that. I would love to get away from my dog and the gardener and all the noise <laughs> that comes in with the house. Not every day. No, but, okay, but I think but I would like to have I, the option, right? Have the option. Like I think I, I could see us being in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but having Monday, Friday at home. Agreed. Yeah. I do think that I do think we are going to move more into a hybrid situation. I sure. actually caution companies like with like the Twitter and and Facebook and on all these companies that are have made these huge announcements of we're gonna be work, you know, from home forever. I'm always I, I'm always thinking like you just, you just made your bed. I mean, what if that doesn't work? You know what? I felt like maybe it was premature. Like we didn't really know how long this was going to last, if employees would even like that. And so there's all this data out there and, and uh, surveys, for example, that are saying, no, everybody would prefer to work from home. And I'm always curious as to how was the question presented though? Was it work from home every day all the time or do people just want the option? So I'm really curious to see how um, it's going to play out in the next, you know, 12 to 18 yeah. months. You know I mean, what I mean? I think it'll be a hybrid for sure. I mean, people need face-to-face -face interaction and businesses need that, but they also want their own time too. So I actually like spending more time with my dogs. Yeah. Well, I do too. Don't get me wrong. I know, but, now but they're when they're barking at the wind, Yes. It's really annoying. <laughs> I don't know what they're barking at half the time. Exactly. Um, tell me the craziest employee story that you have. Oh, the craziest ones are probably not appropriate for this podcast. No, uh, this is the HR sucks podcast. There is no appropriateness on this podcast. <laughs> oh man. Well, back in the agency days, uh, we had a lot of younger people that like to have a lot of like to have a good time. So I think there was one time where we took the whole company to a, on a, on a, got a bus and took them all to wine country for the day out here in Temecula near San Diego. And, um, when we came back, um, we had a few employees that thought it'd be okay to just, uh, throw up all over the office and, uh, 
Ew. And then I think one of them ended up sleeping there and the building wasn't very happy, needless to say. But we stopped doing alcohol-related parties after that, uh, after that event. Right. Well, then there was, the, was then there was the spitter in the interview that I told you about. That was that was quite interesting. Yeah, that one's a great one. Okay, so you learned basically what you learned from that was you can't no alcohol-related <laughs> events with them. Alcohol-related events or make them sign a release so that you're not reliable for anything. That's that's true. Tell me, um, tell me about an employee you'll never forget in a positive way. I, um, I, I, take, I take great pride in knowing that I've been able to employ a lot of people. It's my third company and employed hundreds of people. And I like the fact that getting up every day that I know that I can make a difference in someone's family. And I remember a guy I didn't even have much interaction with at the agency, but he bought his first house and he wrote me a really, really nice letter about how other companies didn't give him a chance. And I gave him a chance when he was younger and helped him grow and, and, um, and progress and finally make enough money to buy his house for his family and their new kid. And it was just like a really heartfelt letter. And I'll always remember that because it made me realize that, you know, what we're doing um, sometimes as a CEO and business owner, you think, well, you know, you're just, you're just working to be, be able to pay other people because sometimes you don't even make that much in some years. And, uh, but it was nice to know that that was a nice kind of memory of how you can help a family and what they're doing. Oh, I love that. That's a great story. And it, I mean, that's such a success these days in California because it's really hard to buy a house. <laughs> totally. What do you attribute or what is the number one thing you attribute to the success of your companies? Um, I just never take no for an answer in a business standpoint. I mean, with this company, I was raising money. I probably pitched over a hundred investment firms and got like a ton of no's like traveling around the country for months, hearing everyone tell you, no, 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 uh, your idea is not good or whatnot. But every time I heard no, I just, it just dry, drove me further. Um, so I would say that I'm persistent and most people that start companies, they'll try one thing and fail and just give up and you just have to keep trying. I love that. What makes your company different from your competitors, you think? I think we've got some really, really strong branding, some really good digital marketing ninjas. And I think we're way better at digital than a lot of our competitors who have no idea what they're doing. Um, they try to get in the space and then they, they just can't compete with us. Uh, I think we've got a great product and we were definitely first to market, which helps. Yeah, the, definitely Vitacup was the first time I've heard. I mean, I've heard of teas maybe before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the coffee and then in all the various forms that you, you started with pods, right? Started with pods and then launched ground coffee and sticks and pods are still the big piece of our business, but the other stuff is growing pretty good. Yeah. You definitely were first some, at least from my perspective, I think you're sure. in target, right? You're on target. Yeah. Awesome. What, why would a talented professional choose to work for your company over other companies? You know, as a smaller startup, that's hopefully going to sell someday in the next couple of years, we give all of our employees, even our customer service reps, down to everyone that works with us, uh, stock options. So everyone's a company owner. Um, and that's definitely a, an advantage in, in working with us and definitely have uh, a flexible work environment. And I think we're like a small family. So every, everyone, everyone really likes working there. I'm not hearing that as often anymore, the stock options. Um, I don't know if it's because companies are getting investments from so many different platforms that there's just 
it's just hard to offer that to them. What made you decide that this was something you wanted to do for your employees? I've always been a believer of that. I mean, especially with the agency world where people want to jump jobs all the time. If someone has a reason to stay and can wait a few years to, to eventually get a big, big paycheck, like I'm reminded of, of Home Depot is a great example. When, when Home Depot went public, everyone that worked at Home Depot, even all the people that work at the cash register got options. All those people are millionaires today. Everyone that worked at the cash register in Home Depot in the 80s is a, is a millionaire and retired. That's, that's crazy. I didn't know that story. Yeah. I've, heard, I've, I've heard similar stories of other companies, but I didn't know Home Depot was, was one of those. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, Brandon, where can listeners find you, your company, your product? So you can find us at vitacup.com. We're actually having this crazy flash sale right now today. That's like our biggest sale of the year um, for Senior Citizens Day. And uh, you can mm. also buy us on Amazon. Uh, we're in Target. We're in every Sprout store. We're in uh, Ralph's, a uh, bunch of different markets. Um, we're launching in Whole Foods in September. So all over the place, really. Do you currently have any positions open that maybe listeners can go apply for? Um, we are bringing on new brand ambassadors to go hit stores and kind of be our, our street marketing team at this time. Um, and then we'll have some more positions available probably early 21. All right. And so do you post your positions on your website or through Indeed, LinkedIn? Just want to make sure everybody can find them. Indeed and LinkedIn. All right. So if anybody is interested in working for this awesome company, check out their LinkedIn page. Uh, it's Vitacup Inc., I believe, on LinkedIn. And, um, and also on Indeed, you can find out more information at vitacup.com. Brandon, thank you so much for being here. I know we've been talking for a few months here and there, and I'm, I'm really happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. You have a good day, okay? Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on Instagram at hrsucks. We don't have any followers, so consider yourself a founding member. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a beat. HR sucks. We know. But having a candidate spit on your table before leaving sucks even more. I'll catch you all on the next episode. 